This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to The Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, February 24th. This is episode 322. My name is Dan Ellis, and I'm joined via remote connection by two awesome co-hosts. Uh, let's go with uh, Daryl first. Oh, that's you. <laughs> oh, that's me? No. No, oh, never no. mind. Yeah. Let me let me do that again. Uh I, I've taken to calling I've taken to calling Terrell, Taylor Daryl after the Bigfoot commercial for progressive. I don't understand. <laughs> That's Sorry, I, I haven't had a television since I was in high school. Uh, what did you call me? My name is Daryl. <laughs> Oh, anyway, sorry. So I'm no, joined. Good. I'm sorry. Here, where's that wah, wah, wah on your soundboard? Oh, wait. No, that's not it. We need your sad trombone. There we go. I got I to gotta, I gotta get these buttons memorized better because every time I go to use them, I end up hitting the wrong one initially. I'll um, mail you my labor, label maker. <laughs> well, I have I have this, this, this guy. I mm. just keep getting it buried under other windows while oh. I'm yeah. while I'm doing shit for the show. Uh, so yes, joined by Mr. Taylor Grin. Hey, how's it going? And, and <laughs> this this guy who makes uh, fun wood stuff. Oh yeah, it's all all sorts of cocked up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we started recording, you were showing us one of your most recent correct. Uh, Corrections? That's not a correction. Uh, creations? Creation, yes. I, I had erection and creation, I think, uh, mixed in my head. Mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Go ahead. I made a, I made a dick opener. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you should... It's, it, it's all in the name. It's a dick and it opens things. Okay, like, well... Like all in I was the name. Concerned it was a thing that opened dicks, and I'm, yeah, I know it sounds weird. Yeah, which is why I named it a dick opener. Yeah, it's, well, and that's what I thought initially. It was was something to open dicks, and that sounded terrifying. Yeah, it would. Uh, but this is a dick with a bottle opener on it, mm-hmm. which was actually a request from someone I used to work with. He said, "Hey, do you think you could make a dick with a bottle opener on it?" And I was like, yeah. So I did. <laughs> I'm curious to know why uh, your friend would want a bottle opener in the shape of a dick. He likes to party. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's probably something he's used to, like, holding a firm grip on. So, <laughs> I mean, well, his wife's a nurse. Uh-huh. So... She just wanted something anatomically correct for opening beers. Mm. <laughs> okay. And Maybe. so, so have you, have you handed off the, uh, the, the dildo opener? 
No, it is currently sitting on my kitchen table right now because Sarah thinks it's funny. <laughs> uh, especially because yesterday I made it yesterday, so I was putting the finish on it. And I like when I get to the last part, I use like a wax uh-huh. and then I usually buff the item with the wax on there to kind of give it a nice sheen and nice little shine and finish it up. So I was just sitting there looking at Sarah with this dick in my hand, polishing the knob. Wax on, wax <laughs> off. And then later you uh, worked on the dick opener. Yeah. Well, no, I went down the shaft. I I started at the head. Then I continued to the shaft. Uh, Sadly, there are no balls. They're just decoration anyway. Yeah. Well, mine anyway. (laughs) Mine mine are just just for decoration. If I put the balls on it, it would have gotten in the way of being able to open the beer. Uh Uh-huh. It would have been hanging right there. Yeah. I got a... I had a I had a vasectomy uh twenty some odd years ago. So yeah. Mine are just for decoration and getting cold when I sit down sometimes because they drip in uh, they yeah. droop into the water. <laughs> I got I mine mean, about five years ago. <laughs> your vasectomy so. or your balls? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I was kinda questioning yeah. that too. <laughs> and uh they were able to do the one scalpel thing, which was a lot easier. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's very nice. That's that is so it must have been pretty much the same procedure I had like at the time I got mine and you know, granted this is 20 years ago, there were two different procedures, one where they could cut on either side of the shaft above the mm-hmm. above your testicles to pull the vas tubes out or you know, do do whatever they needed to do on the vas tubes. When I got mine done, mm-hmm. they just made uh one small incision at the at the base of your penis on the underside and then reach in and pull the vast tubes out through that hole and mm-hmm. then cut out a section of it, cauterize each end, tie each end in a knot and then do that mm-hmm. with the other. And yeah, that was much better, much less invasive. But then I fucked up when I got home, I think it was the day after and I picked up my youngest child who, mm. who wanted me to grab them. And I did something that injured myself and both of my testicles swelled up really large but my right mm-hmm. testicle was about the size of a softball yeah yeah and i um so it was, mine was even easier than that yeah they um they made like basically a pinprick incision on part of like the the sack on one side mm-hmm. like not even on the shaft but like lower actually in the sack itself and then like a smaller incision on the other side and so they had like a guide tool that they put in through one side to do all the business right so i had like three stitches total that were like dissolving stitches. And then for me, I thought that I would be able to get away with sitting at my computer chair playing video games. And I also swelled up to about the size of a softball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, they, they were, they were both huge, but my right one in particular, and it was just like black uh, and then turned purple and blue and black. And Mm -hmm. when I went to sit down, I had to hoist it up onto my lap (laughs) Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't just sit like a normal person. I had to grab yep. this basket of goodies and put mm-hmm. it put it on top oh, of I was my on, I was on active duty guard orders at the time. Oh and no. I had taken like a week of leave, but obviously the swelling hadn't gone down by the time I came back. So I would be walking around the ops floor with like one hand in between my legs, like nobody charged, nobody charged me with harassment. Like I need this right now. <laughs> I'm just imagining South Park when he's got the giant testicles to get uh, medical marijuana, and he's got them in the wheelbarrow going around town. <laughs> and they're bouncing around on them. Yeah, yeah, it felt like that sometimes. Oh, 
Yeah, it was it was good times. <laughs> <laughs> I hear well, well, it's not as bad these days. I hope so because I've been looking at wanting to get it done, but then COVID hit. Uh, no, you should get it done. Like it's well, I'm going to. I was just mine I've ever had. Waiting for COVID to be over because I already got two kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours are yours are the Wait, furry. You, do, you have kids? Yeah, Oz and Lulu. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, canine. Yeah. I've got one kid. Yeah, <laughs> my cat. <laughs> Your fur children's. Yeah, but I I did get my second dose of Moderna this week. Woohoo! Did you have so, any side effects? Any ill effects? A from little it at all? bit. Yeah. Like I had like last time it was a localized pain, like where the shot was. Uh, this time my whole shoulder hurt, like up to my neck. And I had uh, like a migraine that just wouldn't go away that entire day. Woke up the next day, felt fine. But I did get a text from one of the other guys on my crew that he had a 102 degree fever the next day. Oh, shit. That's high. So, I don't I don't think I've ever run a fever that high. I'm usually my temperature is usually lower than normal for whatever reason. Well, his thermometer could have been broken. But I mean, 104 is where you're in the danger zone. Uh but yeah, he had that. I haven't heard from them uh, today at all. How he's doing? Hopefully, he's not dead. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, he's not dead. Uh huh. But he's he's also the youngest guy on our crew, and it actually said they said, yeah, the younger you are, the more it can affect you. Oh yeah. Huh. So the youngest guy had the most severe reaction. Then going up to the older guys on the crew, we all had lesser reactions. So mm. yay. Well, good, good. Yeah, I've I've not had any of my shots yet. Still just yep. waiting. Uh, though I did see that in Utah, I may be eligible to get one right about the middle of next month, I think. Hopefully. Okay. So. Well, the uh, Johnson & Johnson one just got approved today. Yeah. That was the, good. Yeah, uh, single dose one. So it got oh, approved yeah. today for emergency use. So I think they yeah. were saying with Johnson & Johnson being approved, they're going to have like close to 300 million doses ready here soon. Yeah. Now that's the one that doesn't stop you from getting it, but it stops the symptoms from being bad enough to send you to the hospital. Right. Yes. Which they said is still a goal of this. It's not, it's to prevent the need for advanced care. So if you get it, you're going to have mild symptoms. You're not going to have to go to the ER, not going to need no medical assistance, um, which is better than dying. (laughs) <laughs> well my, my biggest fringe fear like obviously dying sucks but my biggest like if i don't die fear has been where people have reported losing their sense of taste and and smell mm-hmm. because like cooking is my favorite hobby like i would go crazy if i couldn't uh my fear was people who have lost lung capacity mm-hmm. because when i do my physical every year they rate my lung capacity if my lung capacity were to dip too low I can't be a firefighter. That would suck. That would suck a lot. Yeah. So you have to be careful. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there... Well, and the other thing is you hear stories about people that have the long hauler stuff, right? That... Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if it was one-third or two-thirds of people that have had COVID report long-haul symptoms. Uh, Well, and aren't some of those linked to, like, a possible... um, Oh shit! What's that called? Like an autoimmune response? Possibly. Well, I was watching Fauci actually talking about this today, uh, and they gave it a different name. Uh, their scientific name for it. 
Um, but he basically said, hey, we're, we're not 100% sure what's causing this, you know, how to resolve these issues. But they have a team of doctors worldwide that are looking at cases and trying to narrow down what part of the body this is coming from and what, you know, what is stemming on these effects. And that included like the fogginess, the lung issue. They're trying to see if they can't find the root cause of why people are having these issues. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's being investigated heavily. We're going to look into that very strongly. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. God, it's so nice not to hear him every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice. Now, now whenever I do, whenever I do that voice around the house, Tracy gets pissed off like, motherfucker, (laughs) I've I've not had to hear him on television or anywhere for a long fucking time now. It's been days at least. And then here we go with you fucking doing it. She's, she's not a fan. I fear we're going to talk about him a little bit today. Oh, no. Yeah. Well. But in a mocking way. That's, well, <laughs> I think there's there's no other way for anybody with a sense to, of compassion, uh, decency. Yeah. For for anybody to view. Yeah, it's just, he's just so fucking awful. And it bothers me that I see people who I know at their core are pretty decent people, but have been tainted by their religion or by their political affiliation with the party that that fucking monster represents. And 20 years of listening to Rush Limbaugh every time they go to work. Yeah. That kind of toxic fucking sludge that's being poured out all over the goddamn place. Ben Shapiro, one of, uh, I have family members who listen to Ben Shapiro and I have friends who listen to Ben Shapiro and he's just not a very smart fucking guy. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not dumb by any means, but he's not nearly as intelligent as all of these people on the right like to think he is. He's smarter than they are. And so they, they think he's a genius because he also likes to own the libs, but he's just a fucking turd. He's a terrible writer. He's a terrible thinker. He's sloppy. He is caustic in a lot of the rhetoric that he uses and is just, he's a garbage dump. His, his listeners and readers like his point of view, which is why they're bad people. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's rush. He's a Jewish rush Limbaugh. Is is the best way that I that I've heard him described uh, from from people who are not big fans, and even from people who are fans of him. Like, oh, he's the next up and coming thing. He's great. He's yeah, he's the next Rush Limbaugh. Well, that's nothing to fucking aspire to. No, Rush Limbaugh was a fucking dickhead. People yeah. are celebrating well, I mean, it's, his it's death, all taking advantage of people's like anger to drive action. You know, communication mm. theory shows that like. Anger is one of the best motivators to get somebody to consume content. And the other thing that's really good motivator is to feel like you're dunking on the other side. And he like deliberately builds his content toward that. Like it's, it's monetization. Like the biggest thing that, that, you know, to keep in mind with folks like rush, like uh fucking um, Ben Shapiro is that they are making money. Like that's what they want to do. Um, yeah, they're just uh, they're a waste of time. And there's no fighting them <laughs> because they use the Gish Gallop technique, you uh-huh. know, which is just bad point after bad point after bad point, a whole fire hose of falsehoods. And you can't like sit down and methodically go through and debunk everything that they say. Yeah, I, I noticed earlier today 
you know, I, I've been really busy, so I'm not on social media nearly as often as I have been in the past, for sure. But I noticed today that one of my coworkers, one of my former bosses, actually, uh, you know, we recently had a bit on one of our episodes where Ryan and I went, where Ryan and I went over the interview that Rand Paul did with. George Stephanopoulos recently where Rand Paul was just a gigantic fucking asshole and, and like status normal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Rand, so Rand Paul was just a giant asshole. It was probably the most contentious interview I've ever seen uh, George Stephanopoulos do. It was the most contentious interview I've ever seen Rand Paul do as well. And like, it was just awful. Rand Paul was awful. He made awful points. He he was hyperbolic. He was deliberately misrepresenting what George Stephanopoulos was saying to him. And my former coworker, well, still we still work at the same place. My former boss posted this with a big headline of uh, Rand Paul slams, you know, lefty interviewers, some shit like that. And it's like... And this is the same guy, my former coworker, who was all about, oh, everybody just needs to be, you know, compassionate and nice. And I don't know why everybody's got to use all of this fiery rhetoric. And, you know, Gina Carano's a great person and she was just canceled. <laughs> and we're tired of this cancel culture. And then he posts this, like, the, they, the, they, the, they don't see the flaming fucking hypocrisy that they espouse every fucking day is one of the more frustrating things that I personally have noticed about dealing with people on the right. I I and have it, Gina wasn't canceled. Her contract just wasn't renewed. Do do you mind if I give a <laughs> quote that I think that Uh-oh. um like hang on, I got to I got to find this quote, but like <laughs> I don't think it is um that they don't know how hypocritical they're being. Um, it's just that they don't care. Yeah. Um, this quote by Jean Paul Sartre um, was originally made. Um, you are shitting me. Come on. <laughs> God damn. I know how to use computers. Good. Millennial. Um, God damn it. Well, I'm a Gen Xer and I saw a meme recently where it was because I'm a Gen Xer. I can use technology like millennials, but I get mad at it like a boomer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. I found it. I'm sorry. Thanks for riffing for me for my other incompetence <laughs> there. Um, so this was originally written um, regarding anti-Semitism, but he said, um, never believe that anti-Semites are completely unaware of the absurdity of their replies. They know that their remarks are frivolous, open to challenge. But... Uh, they are amusing themselves, for it is their adversary who is obliged to use his words responsibly, since he believes in words. The anti-Semites have the right to play. They even like to play with discourse, for, by giving ridiculous reasons, they discredit the seriousness of their interlocutors. They delight in acting in bad faith, since they seek not to persuade by sound argument, but to intimidate and disconcert. If you press them too closely, they will abruptly fall silent, loftily indicating by some phrase that the time for argument is past. Me adding in, just saying. <laughs> yeah, that that's yeah, that's the experience that I have with a lot of these people. 
Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, they're not, they're not making arguments in the sense of like argumentation and rationality. They're interested in playing around with words, being right, even if being right means an inherent contradiction or cognitive dissonance. And it's because they engage in magical thinking and tribalism and in many cases in the last five, 10 years, proto-fascism. And it's like, there's, there's no reaching somebody when they're in that state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's beautifully said. Uh, we should go to a break and then we'll come back uh, with more news items this week. Before we do that though, uh, I want to close out real quick this segment, just noting that today is the 24 year anniversary of adopting my wonderful oldest child. He's just a fucking delight. I love that kid. He's fucking awesome. Yay. But yeah, 1997, <laughs> yeah. I adopted that guy. His mother and I were married for a time, and he's <laughs> the best thing that came out of my relationship with her. And, of course, my other child as well. But, yeah, my, my children were the best things about that marriage, and... That's all I have to say about that. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Phil Ferguson of the cleverly titled The Phil Ferguson Show. And thank God you're listening to The Godless Revolution. You know what? No one is leaving this room until I see someone express some real GD emotion. Uh, Well, perhaps seeing a dead person today made us all realize how fragile the journey of life really is. Thank you. A little cliche, but points for effort. All right, uh, why don't we just all bow our heads? No religion in the workplace. Okay, a moment of silence. Nope, not if you're thinking about God. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. I wanted to start this segment with a story that I found on Business uh, Insider last week or earlier this week i don't know fucking time is a mystery to me these days man you just work is nuts relative to the chaos around us (laughs) work is nuts trying to get all of these all of the changes that i wanted to do in the studio over the last week was a fucking nightmare dealing with microsoft tech support microsoft pseudo tech non-support is more like it uh but that's that's all i could spend the whole fucking episode ranting about how pissed off and frustrating that's been, but I'm not going to because I would much rather talk about uh, this. The title is how a South Carolina mom went from believing in QAnon to becoming an anti-Trumper in under a month. How did she do that? I would like to know so that we can get other people to maybe do this. It's not only the fact that she dumped QAnon, but she dumped Trump along with it. Yeah. Why yeah. people did that with religion went from I'm a, no longer religious. Now I'm Catholic went from a QAnon supporting Trump or, or a Trump supporting QAnon believer to anti-Trump and is out of QAnon. And like you said, Ryan, it's, it's, it's really rare that you see something like this. Uh, I, in all of my time being an atheist, I think there's, well, there are only two people that I can recall for sure that I knew went from being like, True believing Mormons going to church every Sunday, like not watching R-rated movies, not cursing, drinking, like doing nothing, like super, super good, uh, true believing Mormon people 
to being out and proud atheists in like two weeks. Yeah. And yeah, I would more yeah. suspect people leaving Q and I'd be like, Oh, I'm, I'm done with Q and on that's stupid, but I still support Trump. Yeah. Versus I no longer believe in Q and on and fuck Trump. Yeah. It's kind of like, like, wow, you took the fast track to get there. You didn't go through all the other processes of like, no, well, that's bad too. Yeah. Just, just right to the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought this was pretty interesting. Story says that on the day of president Joe Biden's inauguration, 27 year old Ashley Vanderbilt was glued to her television screen. The stay-at-home mom from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a devout follower, a devout follower of the QAnon conspiracy theory, was awaiting an explosive event. I was convinced that we were going to have a blackout and the emergency broadcasting system would go off, she told Insider. Joe Biden, the politicians there, the Hollywood elites, they would all be arrested. Vanderbilt Which stopped. Is crazy to believe. <laughs> I know. Like they just, like they, they think real life is a movie or something. I don't know. A bad movie. Yeah. I mean, they also think that the entire earth was flooded and repopulated from like three families on a boat. <laughs> so. <laughs> and the, yeah, the, they fit all of the creatures that were on the earth at the time, at least two of them onto the boat. Yeah. That's just, that's nuts. <laughs> Uh, Vanderbilt stocked up on groceries, filled up her car with gas, and prepared herself for the advent of the storm. The storm is the day on which many QAnon followers expected former President Donald Trump to miraculously hold on to power, arrest liberal elites, and execute those considered to be traitors. QAnon forums had predicted the following, or that following the deadly U.S. Capitol insurrection, the prophesized reckoning would occur on Inauguration Day. When Kamala Harris was sworn in, I started to get a little nervous. <laughs> Vanderbilt told Insider. Because the crazy didn't happen. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine being a QAnon supporter or believer and, you know, watching the events unfold on the inaug- on inauguration day? And I've, you know, I've watched a lot of, um, I haven't watched. I've read a lot of articles about, you know, QAnon believers' reactions to it, and I've listened to. I think it was the Times did a great right up on i think uh it was users who were using telegram and recording messages mm-hmm. and the times reporter going through a lot of those in some of the QAnon forums and posting links to it and you know so you're kind of experiencing with them you know in on in real time their reaction to events as they unfolded on inauguration day and it was it was pretty awesome so oh, they were crushed. So she she's watching all of this and she sees Kamala Harris being sworn in, which she didn't think was going to happen, and she starts feeling a little nervous. Then her television glitched. It froze and my heart dropped, Vanderbilt recalled. I thought, oh my God, it's going to happen. Which what she believed was that people would just flood into the area and arrest all of the Democrats, and then there would be public executions. And people were fucking excited about this shit. They got raging hard-ons hoping that it was going to happen. And then we're in disbelief when it didn't. Story continues and says she then watched as, she then watched horrified as Biden, to her disbelief, was sworn into office. I started crying. The tears were flowing. I couldn't stop, Vanderbilt said. Tears of joy? (laughs) For many adherents of the QAnon conspiracy theory, as Vanderbilt once was, Inauguration Day was the realization of their worst fears. Like other QAnon believers, Vanderbilt believed Biden's victory would have terrifying consequences. I thought that anybody who was registered as a Republican would get sent off to re-education camps, 
she told Insider. <laughs> the Democrats were going to start shutting churches, and it would escalate to the point of them beginning to execute Christian people. As as a Christian was just sworn in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> yeah. Vanderbilt was inconsolable. She called her mother in tears. I was crying, saying that China's going to take over, that we were all going to die, that we were not going to be able to go to church anymore, she recalled. She went on Facebook and decided to check in with her fellow QAnon believers to make sense of Biden's swearing in. I wanted to see what they had to say, she said. Many in the Facebook group were still holding out hope for the storm. Many clung to March 4th, the day that Trump's most fanatical followers think that the former president will be sworn in. The belief that Trump will return to power on March 4th is rooted in the sovereign citizen movement's outlandish beliefs. That's just the one of crazies. the one yeah. of the sovereign citizens outlandish beliefs. The conspiracy theory is that a law enacted in 1871 secretly tuned the secretly turned the US into a corporation. All presidents before 1871 were inaugurated on March 4th according to the sovereign citizen movement. The next inauguration will occur on March 4th, 2021, and Trump will become the U.S.'s 19th president. Vanderbilt, however, is done with these tangled fantasies. I just didn't believe it anymore. It just didn't make sense to me. Vanderbilt told Insider, I didn't know how a president could be sworn in. It could look so official, and then things could still change. <laughs> Part... <sighs> Part of her newfound skepticism came from disappointment. The heartbreak and letdown that I felt for us being wrong, it was like somebody had died or I'd gone through a horrible breakup, she said. <laughs> Having accepted that Trump was out of office, she decided to post a video on TikTok. I was wrong, As you do. she told her followers. Here's some audio from the video on TikTok. Well, I was wrong. And it sucks. I have spent the better part of the day crying. Um, some of it out of disappointment, some of it out of anger, and some of it out of fear. And I'm seeing um, different TikToks coming up, too. The conspiracies keep going, you know. It was fake. It was pre-recorded, this, that, and the other. And I don't think I'm going to bite into that one. <laughs> it was good, fake. Good idea. It was pre-recorded. Like, these people are... They're they're not they're not the brightest people on the face of the planet is my guess. Like initially, that's one of the biggest problems with a lot of the people on the right is that they're just not. I mean, not I and I'm not trying to be mean. It's just an observable fact that I've noticed it's, that a lot of these the people things, are just not very smart. Yeah, it's it's it all has to do with the things they choose to believe. Whether it's true or not. Well, and mm -hmm. that's and that's something that is really disturbing to me is that the things that they believe, they believe because they want them to be true. And the things that they want to be true are fucking hideous and horrific. Yeah. That yeah, it, they're not not good. Yeah, it 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 indicates that they have these monstrous tendencies and desires that they want these things to happen. Like this is what they want to believe is going to happen. That People will be publicly executed on television. That makes them hard. Or believing the fear mongering that 
hey, Biden's now president. If you're religious, you're going to fucking jail. You're going to concentration camps. Religion is outlawed. It's like he's an openly Catholic. He's way more religious than fucking Trump was. And you think he's going to round you up and send you to fucking concentration camps? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't even like to say his name. Uh, let's watch the rest of her video. I think that was it. I think I need to spend some time on personal development. Oh, that wasn't. And time in prayer and building my relationship with God even more. Um, because oh. I'm not, I can't go through that heartbreak and disappointment again. If she thinks God is real, she's going to probably experience more. You're going to be in for even more surprises here, lady. And I'd suggest for everyone else looking for ways that around this and that Trump's coming back, I think we should drop it. It's done. And maybe one day we'll find the answers as to why we feel that Trump didn't fight at the end. So, Oh, well, that's that last comment. Why Trump didn't fight at the end? Like she still wanted Trump to like, overturn the election right there yeah and and saying that trump didn't fight fight i mean maybe maybe she's tying that to you know his his false rhetoric that he would that i'll go with you we're gonna march on the capitol and i'll be there with you and of course he didn't in his in some of his campaign rallies when he was running in 2016 he would say like Oh yeah, if you guys beat those, you know, protesters up, like I'll pay for your legal bills. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, he's been saying shit like that for half a decade. Or if you see one of them, knock him out, punch yeah, him in the yeah. face. Yeah. Don't be so yeah. nice when you put them in the back of the cop car, you know, let yeah. their head on the door. Knock the hell out of him. Knock the crap out of him. Yeah. Yeah. That was the moment I truly got out, Vanderbilt told Insider. There was something within me not wanting to feel that devastation of being wrong again that led me to wanting to find out the truth. And like I said, she in in turning to her God, she's she's in for more of a letdown eventually. After posting the TikTok video, Vanderbilt received over 1,000 comments, the majority of these questions about her previous support of QAnon. The questions I was getting made me self-reflect and made me really tear everything apart and realize how insane it all was, she said. They really ended up pulling me out of it all, which is good. I mean, what what is sad and frustrating about a lot of the people who are QAnon adherents and Trump supporters is that they live in a tiny little bubble and think that it's the whole goddamned world. You know, they, they look around themselves and they see all of these Trump supporters. They go to his rally and they see, you know, thousands of people who are worshiping this fucking orange monster standing on stage. And this becomes their entire world, right? That's all they can see. Everyone around them is a Trump supporter. Everybody isn't just a Trump supporter in that they voted for him but they're they go by trump flags they have trump hats t-shirts jackets shoes everything trump 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 they fucking love him they worship him i've seen reports from a lot of trump trump supporters who after they've left QAnon, like this lady and i i can't remember if she's one of them but i've seen other stories of people who have left QAnon and and being fervent trump supporters and 
looking back on their prior beliefs or their prior views about when he was in office, they started questioning themselves whether they put him above Jesus and their God that they, they fucking worshiped him. He is like their God. And I also blame, uh, the internet algorithms. Oh yeah. Keep them in their, in their little confined pocket. Yeah. 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 Not exposing them to anything other than something that confirms what they want to believe. Ah, so you do agree with me, Dan, the internet's horrible. (laughs) I think it can be. I think there are a lot of horrible places on the internet. And I think, uh, we need a lot of change and reform in, in ways that social media is used and disseminated and the way that it steers people into becoming more and more fanatic and uh, tied to a particular, to a particular ideology. Um, yeah, th- things can be really dangerous to make our sure. life better don't always make it better. Yeah. Story continues. Yeah. Vanderbilt had described to some had subscribed to some of QAnon's most fantastical of claims. I believed that there were these satanic cannibalistic pedophiles who ran the world. She explained to Insider, an NPR Ipsos study from December found that in a survey of 1,115 American adults, 17 percent believed this claim the central tenet of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Vanderbilt had hang also, on. Oh, God, hang on, hang on. We, we, we need to like put a pin in that 17% of people in a survey believed that there are satanic cannibalistic pedophiles running the world. Uh-huh. 17% of people. Yeah. That's too high. That's, that's way too fucking high. Way, yeah, way too fucking high. <laughs> that's, that's not fringe anymore. Like a problem of the reporting on this issue is that they treat that like that's fringe. Oh, yeah. 10% is more than like the number of Mormons in the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great fucking point. And you're yeah. absolutely right. They have I think I think media has failed us. And and I don't mean that as in, you know, the the big media is, a, is just a machine that's just trying to suck up your money and lead you astray and promote false narratives, whatever all of the, the fucking stupid talking points that we hear from people on the right all the time that, you know, the media is the enemy and that kind of shit. I'm saying that they have over and over again, I think since at least shit, I was going to say the Bush presidency, but I would say I'd go back to as far as Reagan and Nixon, they've, they've failed in recognizing the inherent dangers of a lot of the things that are going on and not reporting them as just, just plainly stating the facts of this person is lying to you. And I, and I've noticed that within the last year, maybe two, a lot of that has changed and they're, they're much more willing to say, you know, so-and-so said this and that is a lie. That is incorrect. That is false. Where before right. it was, you know, not everybody believes this. This is something this person said. You know, it, it, it's we believe it to be inaccurate. Here's why. Now they're more plainly stating that's wrong. That's a lie. You were just lied to. What that what was just stated here was factually incorrect and wrong. And I think mm-hmm. that's a welcome change. I, I'd like to yeah. see a lot more of that, honestly. Hello, my name is Gleb Zaporski. I am the president of Intentional Insights at intentionalinsights.org. I'm a professor at The Ohio State University studying decision-making in politics and business, and I'm also the leader of the Pro-Truth Pledge Project at ProTruthPledge.org, designed to fight the tide of lies in our politics and promote the truth. 
and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Tate, do you believe in God? Yeah, I think there's a God. Yeah? But I think it lives in nature. Hmm? You know, the rocks and trees and crap like that. Honestly, I think God could be a frog. Yeah. Oh, brother. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Story continues and says Vanderbilt had also believed that several high-profile celebrities were torturing children and drinking their blood. I even believed that the group had killed some of them celebrities off and it was actually their clones walking around she said <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean i also oh. really like the sixth day i don't care what anyone says <laughs> i just like I, I like oh crap what is the i'm trying to remember the the actress's name in that um yeah, never mind. It, it's it's left my head. Yes, she has a name. <laughs> <laughs> the South Carolina mom said that. Oh, this this is the person. Okay, the South Carolina mom said that she worshipped Trump. I think I had put him on this really unhealthy pedestal. She told Insider. I even started to think to myself, had I put God in the back seat? Her quest to find the truth after Inauguration Day meant she was now open to hearing alternate views. Being open-minded and learning how to find unbiased information, that has been really helpful, the former QAnon disciple told Insider. Now, Vanderbilt has replaced the lurid fantasies of QAnon with a more liberal set of beliefs in just over a month. I think it's unfortunate that Trump was acquitted, she told Insider. I don't know why they wouldn't see that he was guilty, which is, which is kind of funny because she couldn't see it until a mass of people pointed out to her how fucking wrong she was about stuff. You know, until she left her little bubble, she believed all of this. So it's weird. Like, and that indicates to me that she still hasn't quite come to grips with all of this. Really? She, she hasn't, she hasn't gone through a full examination and reckoning with herself about the things that she chose to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she also told insider that she couldn't write off campaigning or voting for a Democrat in a future election. If I hmm. knew what the candidate was about and I felt like we were on the same page, then I would campaign for a Democrat. She told insider Vanderbilt says her political transformation has improved the, her quality of life. Life on this side is just more hopeful, and it's not full of disappointment and anger and hatred and fear, she said. (laughs) I think we've called Republicans fear mongers a few times and very hateful. Yeah. Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. Well, they they use fear to spur their followers to action. Vanderbilt now intends to use her platform to educate others about how easy it is to get caught up in a conspiracy theory. It's easy for anybody to believe it and fall into it, and smart people fall for it, too, she told Insider. Ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think, well, well, I, I guess, the, you know, as with all things, there's there's a scale. There's a, there's a sliding meter on either side of people who are really smart, really dumb, and the things that they choose to believe along that line, right? Like, Ben Shapiro is not a dumb guy, but he's not nearly as smart as people believe, but he's smart enough to know that QAnon is bullshit, right? He doesn't say QAnon is bullshit very often because so many of his fucking followers and listeners 
think that QAnon is a real is a real thing. So he doesn't want to alienate a lot of them. That's another problem that I see with people on the right is that they're not willing to call out the fucking crazies in their midst. Yep. You know, they don't want to they don't want to buck that trend because it's it's bad for their voting. Yeah, I I see that people on the right are super hesitant, if not incredibly averse to confronting what previously <laughs> were fringe beliefs. And so they've taken hold of the Republican Party and now they're the primary drivers of that party. You know, well, they've, they've made it so that they only they've they have created a focus on the in group out group element of their society mm-hmm. exactly and yeah. they will only allow um you know criticism uh to be directed at the out group mm-hmm. um in order to maintain the cohesion of the in group because republicans as like an ideological group are a minority and if they don't hold fast together they would very quickly fall apart you know converse with like the democrats who are you know, very pluralistic, which means it's very difficult to actually motivate all the different factions within their organization to action. Um, they can't criticize each other. It is against their like uh, philosophy isn't the right word, but you know, modus operandi. They can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and conversely, on the left, we see the left calling each other out all the time over a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. and, and I think a lot of that is great. I think. Sometimes we go a little too far and push people out that would otherwise be good allies and work with us on most things. I don't know mm-hmm. if if we could get some mix, you know, if on the left we could we could tone that down a little bit to make it a little bit more like the right. But I don't want yeah. us to be more like the right. That's it's right. really no. hard. It's well, really it's, hard for me to say that. It's like Thomas Smith said, um, like maybe a month ago, the the right gets social credit for criticizing the left and the left gets social credit for criticizing the left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was perfectly stated. I, I loved that quote from him and that was awesome. Uh, and, and, and it seems also that as I say, it seems also that if you're on the right and you are criticizing someone else on the right, they're no longer Republican. They're just pretending to be Republican. They're actually truly a Democrat. Yeah. yeah they're a rhino or a, yeah. yeah. Like what they're doing to uh, like Romney and any, all those that whole Cheney. group right now. Yeah. 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 Like, you're not a real Republican. Yeah. Liz fucking Cheney isn't. Yeah, these motherfuckers make me defend Liz Cheney. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's, it's gotten really bad. And, and they've, because like you said, Taylor, they are the minority and they know that they need to try to do everything they can to hold on to power. They've allowed these fringe beliefs and fringe people to run roughshod over, over what was at one time, at least, you know, if I disagreed with a lot of their points, it was, it was something that we could have a discussion about. Now it's just, it's lunacy. It's, yep. it's they don't, idiocy they don't and lunacy for anything anymore. There is, there literally is not a Republican platform, right? Yeah. Now. Well, in, in the summer, they voted that their platform was support president Trump in yeah. his second term period. Done. Yeah. And it's right. They it's, have no platform. They stand for nothing except for opposing Democrats. Yeah. Well, it's steadily becoming the party of QAnon. Yeah. But even that, even that, if you dig down into the actual it's like Trump claims made by QAnon, it, it's, it's, opposing democrats right it's yeah. oh there is this evil cabal that exists and we need to counter that it's not for anything there is no plan within QAnon yeah. as to what happens after the storm no right 
Yeah, like that's guys, important to touch on. There's no plan like them with it. If if their shit was true, they have no plan for what comes next. Yeah, they don't it's care. Their, it's not about that. It's about getting asses in seats to vote. Mm-hmm. That's all it's about. Yep. Just maintaining power. And it's it's become it's it's just the grift. It's the party of grifters like they're only yeah. there to maintain power and siphon money from people. That's it. Yeah, Because church is becoming less effective at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like let's let the people who are queuing on folks now were priests a hundred years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, rather than rather than shilling out money for Trump flags and hats, they would be dropping money in a donation bin or a plate. Yep. Like that's what it is, is it's just a new form of creating a hierarchical um fucking power structure. Mm-hmm. That says this is what people's place in society ought to be. You conform or we'll beat the shit out of you and make you a second class citizen. And this is just the newest iteration and it's digitally enabled. That's the only difference. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. Uh, Story continues and says the mother of one. I'm sorry. Story continues and says the mother of one first got caught up in QAnon through TikTok. She liked a few Trump videos and the algorithm started recommending similar videos. Interested damn algorithm. Interested in what she was seeing, she reached out to Trump followers she knew with questions. These people began to send YouTube links, added her to Facebook pages, and invited her to Telegram group chats. She now recognizes that though that these pages were QAnon propaganda. I ended up getting really involved in Telegram and Facebook, Vandermilt told Insider. She spent hours every night watching Facebook Live videos of QAnon influencers. <sighs> If you surround yourself with like-minded people all thinking the same thing, it's easy to get wrapped up in it, she told Insider. It's difficult to explain to somebody that doesn't understand that. <laughs> Videos. Oh, no, we, we understand. It's just that we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, no, I was on this show something like a year or two ago talking about that exact phenomenon. Uh-huh. <laughs> we understand. Yeah. We get it. <laughs> yeah, we we understand how it happens. We don't understand how you allowed yourself to be played that way. Yeah. That's what we don't understand. Uh videos to do with the trafficking of children are what got her invested. And this is this is just part of their playbook to to play on people's fears and emotions. It's emotional manipulation that ends up fucking ruining people's brains trafficking is real and that does happen in the real world vanderbilt explained why wouldn't i believe something like that it yeah, peaked- it, it is it does happen in the real world but not through furniture stores <laughs> or pizza parlors or yeah yeah it piqued my interest she added i wanted to know what was going on and wanted to be able to stay 10 steps ahead of everybody to make sure that my <laughs> daughter was safe <laughs> <sighs> Vanderbilt uh, is now hoping to create a bridge of understanding with current QAnon followers. The former QAnon believer wants people to know that there are other options. I tell current QAnon followers that whenever they're ready to explore other options and seek out alternative answers, that there's a huge support system and a lot of encouragement to be given. She added, they need to know that it's okay. And it's actually safe out here. Vanderbilt said she hopes the people who have fallen down the rabbit hole will be treated with empathy. I've been where they are. And as much as everything's 
everything seems true, it's not. Mm. And that's how the story concludes. And it leaves me with a lot of questions, like hoping that this is just the start of her broader, longer journey into becoming more of a skeptic and, Mm -hmm. and learning. Part of me almost thinks there might be a grift here. Yeah. Like she seems, I don't know. The me, she seems like much more self-aware than she's putting on by some of the statements that she made in that article. Yeah. Um, You know, how quickly she was like, well, yeah, if people self-isolate, they can, you know, believe crazy things is like not the kind of coherent statement you would expect from somebody who's like one and a half months out of a like cult. And so I almost wonder, especially where she immediately pivoted to like, oh, I want to try and help people get out is like, okay, maybe for her, that's the next grift. Like maybe she's savvy enough to know that QAnon is not going to have the appeal that it had, you know, under and, Trump because and now she can they go can't speak on, on it. Storm. Right. And so now she can make her new grift by being an, you know, a, a bridge between QAnon and people who are out. And that can be her next thing that gets her followers and, mm. you know, speaking engagements or merch or advertising or whatever. Like that's kind of what that feels like to me. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see how you would, how or why you would feel that way for sure. I, I don't know. I guess time will tell. I I wish that they had I mean, included I, some means of like following her or I'm I'm sure we could just Google her name to find out yeah. if she has or, a or presence her, somewhere else. Her but. account her TikTok account's probably listed in that video. Yeah. yeah but I'm kinda glad they didn't because you don't want to just give her free advertising, you know, on yeah. the other hand. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there was the lady that pretended she was a survivor of 9-11 for many years and was on speaking engagement and wrote a book and had all this money donated to her and was all, all these events as this heroic survivor of 9-11, the last one out of the building. She wasn't even in New York when it happened. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, and I'm just I, I tend to be skeptical about grift transition. Um, you know, there have been a lot of members of the atheist community who started as just being, you know, new atheists and who are very frustrated with the right. And, and in particular with uh, a perception of like growing Islam in, you know, the Western world back mm. in like the, the, the 2010s, early 2000 teens. And then as the alt-right happened and as the atheism movement started like atheism plus or humanism and that kind of thing, Rather than gravitate towards that, they ended up gravitating more towards like the alt-right kind of stuff. There's one individual in particular I'm not sure if we can talk about on the show, um, but he's been on the show. Um, you know, that had that transition of grift, right? Who went from being an atheist, you know, public persona, and that was how that person made their living to now they're trying to make a living being you know on that far right intellectual dark web thing. And so does his name rhyme with sensitive to that? I mean, is there a silver lining on this? Blavid. No, there isn't. Blavid (laughs) Gloverman. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Savid Dilverman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, and and I'm sensitive to that because like I was a big Sam Harris listener, and like now he's gone kind of you know. Not kind of. He's he's gotten pretty close to the alt right. I would put him in kind of like the alt light category at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's I am sensitive to that kind of issue. It's something I've kept a, a big eye on because, like, honestly, but for people like you, Dan, um, 
I might have gone that direction myself. Like I remember in, I don't know, 2015 or so, I was like still falling into like the, the anti-trans arguments. And I put like a, I'm just curious about da 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 and like posted this study and you were like, no, that's bullshit. (laughs) You like line by line were like, this is why this thing is full of shit. And I was like, well, okay. And then somebody very close to me um, came out as trans. And it was around that time where it was like, you know what, if there's a split going on in the atheist movement, I would rather be on this side of it. So yeah, and and that I think that speaks to your to a fundamental par- portion of your character that makes you a good person. It's you know whenever whenever I see these schisms happen, there's at least to my eye a very clear delineation of this path leads to more harmony, happiness, acceptance, love, and joy for everybody. This mm-hmm. path leads to excluding members of society because of how they look what they choose to do in the privacy of their own homes, how they, how they want to be treated by other people. Like, you know, excluding people because you think there's something gross or weird or, you know, aberrant about their behavior or looks or attitude about something. Even if they're the most kind person on the face of the planet, there's something about them, them physically or, or how they, view the world that you disagree with. And so you're going to make them your enemy versus the other side. That's, you know, I may not agree with everything this person does or understand it, but I care about them as a, as a human being, as another inhabitant of this rock hurtling through space. And I don't want to cause them undue harm or, or be malicious toward them in any way. And I I mean, every time I see a fork in the road where there's a schism in whatever group I'm in. I can see people drifting in one of those two directions. And yeah, it's, it's David Silverman fucking chose this other path where, because he was a fucking asshole and still is an asshole. He just doubled down. He's like, well, I guess if I'm an asshole, I might as well just, you know, throw on the asshole cape yeah, and shoes and, and well, go out. <laughs> he's driven by his ego. Yeah. And, and it's so disappointing to me because like, he, as far as I know, and it could have been somebody else, you know, that he claimed credit from, but like he came up with the great concept of, of like wearing some sort of like sign at, at conferences, you know, that was like whether or not you were approachable, like in light of the elevator gate incident, right? Mm-hmm. American Atheist was like, okay, here's the thing. Like a lot of people hook up at conferences and we get that because they're fucking conferences. That's what people do. Yeah. Right. Um, but he had this idea of like, okay, well, you can wear like a lapel pin kind of deal. And if you wear that, then that says you're approachable. And if you're not wearing that, don't fucking approach them, right? Like notionally, that was his fucking idea. And then he gets the accusations made against him that he was doing inappropriate things and misusing his power. And like, even from a purely craven perspective, he could have turned around and said, you know what? I fucked up. I'm stepping down. I'm going to step back for a couple of years and then come back as like, all right, you know what? I've done some soul searching and I'm going to be a crusader to make sure that like people like me who were raised, you know, to think that this was okay. Now know that it's not okay. And like, there's a way for him to have spun back into the movement, mm-hmm. like, and continued having his way of life, because that's ultimately what it is, is he doesn't want Mm -hmm. to lose his way of life. He doesn't want to work like a nine to five job. He wants to be an activist who gets paid to be an activist. Mm -hmm. And like, I tend to think about things in like a, I don't want to say a cynical way, but like, you know, okay, well, 
if you're trying to achieve your means by like any means necessary, how do you go about doing that? And there was a path for him that was like not even a dick bag path. And he chose <laughs> not to take that path and instead jump on the train of like the intellectual dark web. And like, it's not working for him. <laughs> Nobody's no. picking him up. Like, so shit, man, like just fuck, man. Like I'm a video game player, man. Being a good guy is always the better route. You get the better side quests. Like, <laughs> Be the good guy. It's not hard. It's really not hard. And you have more friends. Like <laughs> I have a harder time being the bad guy in a video game. because I could feel bad about doing bad things. Well, I'm like, <laughs> rewards are shit. <laughs> like, oh, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to like give you your family heirloom that you sent me out to find like i'm gonna keep it no that sword's worthless give me training like (laughs) like i can throw you off a cliff or let you go it's like fuck i'm letting you go right what's the point like there's no there's no benefit for it like it's fucking corporate buzzword synergy like you can always get more with multiple people than you can going it alone like that's just how humans are that's how we evolved um and for people not to get that is just wild to me, totally wild to me. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. He could have, you know, taken a, taken a beat, taken a break, you know, yep. stepped away from it. And initially it looked like that's what he was going to do. You know, he, yeah. he, yeah. he did step away. He apologized, you know, issued, issued a public apology kind of thing. And then said he was going to be working on himself. He was doing some, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy was working on becoming a better person. He realized he had fucked up. He'd made mistakes. And then, you know, after, after a certain amount of time passed, whatever amount of time he figured would be enough time for people to just get over it. He, he tried to come back. And when that didn't go over very well, he just doubled down on, well, I said, I was sorry. Maybe I was wrong to even say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And now, now, he is that's that's his stick now is well i never should have even said i was sorry because you know i said that just because i thought that's what people wanted to hear and it's like well yeah that is what people wanted to hear but they wanted it to be sincere it wasn't yeah, it wasn't right. part of a fucking game <laughs> dickhead right. when i ask if the pilot is qualified for the you know to fly the plane it's not just what i want to hear it's what i need to hear to feel <laughs> safe being on that plane <laughs> like yeah yeah i and he just yeah, he just didn't fucking recognize that he did have a lot of power and a lot of sway and that his actions would taint an entire movement and organization and people even you know tangentially tied to that organization and people mm-hmm. he he needed to be above reproach and wasn't he failed in like the 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 single biggest thing that he had to do as a leader of a marginalized organization of, of minority people of, of people of a minority opinion who are regularly looked at as bad people just because they don't share a belief of some invisible sky wizard. And he couldn't keep his fucking dick in his pants and just be a good person and recognize that there were certain things that in, that in that position he was disallowed from doing and he didn't mm-hmm. fucking care. He didn't fucking care enough about the people he represented to be a better representative. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's the long and short of it. He just didn't fucking care about it. He cared more about himself than the people he was representing. Yeah. Uh, 
shit happens. I feel like maybe we should take a break and come back with <laughs> something lighter to finish us off for the night. How do you yes. guys feel? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic oh, idea. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> All right, cool. My name is Dr. Karen Garst. I am the author of Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. I also have a blog at www.faithlessfeminist.com. You can find me on Facebook at Faithless Feminist and Twitter. I'm at Karen underscore Garst. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. I can't believe I'm going to lose my job. I just upgraded all of the trash cans in my apartment. Stupid, Dina, stupid. Relax. Things have a way of working out. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be happy with me gone. We turn this place into some sort of deranged religious cult. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Okay! Well, that was a little bit longer break for us. We were we were chatting, and the show's gone a bit long, so we were just kind of chit-chatting because we didn't want to eat up more time in the show. But we have some fun stuff that we'll talk about briefly. Some really fucking interesting, cool, science-y shit happened this week, man. I think so. <laughs> what I, science. What was it? What happened? Well... We got a new occupancy of Mars. A new occupancy of Mars? Mars has a new resident? A new resident, Perseverance. Ooh. Which, which I think for the time we're in right now with COVID going on and we need to persevere, Perseverance is a good name. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, it landed, and what I found amazing about this landing was it's the first time we actually get to see it happen. So on Monday, NASA released the footage of Perseverance actually landing on Mars. So no other landing have we gotten to see the actual landing happen. Oh, really? Granted, it took, oh, yeah, they had the camera. It took like four or five days for us to get to see the actual camera footage because it takes you know, 12 minutes for a signal to come back and forth and they got to stream all of that data back. So it took a little bit to get all that data back to actually uh, have the videos put together. Oh yeah. Well, it didn't take like six months for the rover to, or for, for the vehicle to even get to Mars. Well, it was launched July 30th of 2020 and it landed uh, just last week. So a long time, eight, nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what was, what was kind of amazing, like it was basically a flawless fucking landing. And if you think about this, you have a spacecraft hurtling towards another planetary body at like Mach 100 fucking screaming. And in seven minutes, it goes from Mach 100 to two miles an hour and lands safely on the surface. Yeah, it was some pretty badass stuff. I watched um, some video of the landing and I watched and I couldn't tell if it was like an artist's rendering, but I don't think it was um, video of when it when it dropped away the heat shield and, you know, they're they're counting down the altitude from from the lander yep. to the surface of the of Mars. And yeah, it was just cool shit, man. Yeah, I mean, it it was 
I mean, it it makes me want to cry when I watch that shit. It's fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The science behind it. And the interesting factoid for this week, it has a fucking helicopter on it. A That's drone. pretty badass. Yeah. So this will be the first time that we've land landed an unmanned air or an unmanned vehicle. The thing is the size of a car. It weighs one ton on a planet. It's holding a drone in it that will hopefully be able to do successful flights off of a foreign planet to get a bird's eye view of everything. And if that's not cool, the fact that this guy is actually taking samples, storing them, dropping little vials on the ground, which a later mission will come pick up those vials and launch those fuckers back to another vehicle circling mars that will come back to earth well that's fancy that's, i didn't know that's that was so happening. wild yeah that's that cool so cool so basically they're they're basically building a a, a a rover right now i think they said it won't be until like 2024 when that one actually hopefully will get to mars but yeah it's going to have the ability to pick up these samples put it into a rocket launch the rocket from the surface to another vehicle waiting circling mars to catch it and bring it back to earth that's so wild that's so, so cool when that happens that will be the first time we've ever retrieved a sample of martian soil besides the moon and it'll be the first time we've sent a vehicle to mars and had it return we've never done that yet god that's awesome that's just cool shit man and this this rover is the first step to that whole process being able to collect the samples and get everything else everything else is already in the works uh not built yet but they're they that like this is the whole plan for this rover and it's also the largest rover we've ever put on uh mars that's very cool i I mean if you think about the first one basically was held in the very first one was basically remember in like high school when you do the science experiments where you get an egg Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out how you can drop it off the tall structure mm-hmm. and have egg not break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was yeah. essentially the first Mars rover. It was a giant bubble that crashed into the surface of Mars and then deflated and let the rover out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We went I, uh, from I was that- lucky enough to go to space camp and we absolutely like we we watched videos of that and like made those models like that's just yeah. crazy. But now we're this thing came screaming through the atmosphere in a pod that was basically resembling to the first pods from the NASA missions. It ejected out from inside of that under a parachute and then had a separate fucking spacecraft above it land this fucker by tethers onto the surface and then that flew away. Like, holy shit, and it does it all on its own. Hmm. There's no human interaction. Once it comes in the atmosphere... You have no control over it. It does it all autonomously. And so you have to, you have to program for all of that and all of that. Like, and you won't know if it crashes and burns, you won't know for 12 minutes. (laughs) And I mean, it's got to have its own onboard AI that's able to like stabilize for, you know, pockets in the air and like variable pressure zones and wind gusts and shit. But this one chose its landing zone because it has an AI that's actually projecting onto the ground to map the ground beneath it to pick the most ideal landing spot. That's wild. That's the wild. Other one, is there any 
if there are any video game folks out there per aspera like that's all i'm gonna go play that game it's it's colonizing mars the game and they refer to curiosity and perseverance and it's yeah ah god that's so cool i just think the uh what we're able to do when people actually put their minds to it is fucking incredible oh yeah dude and can you like none of this would ever happen if people were just sitting in pews and donating to build a new gold fucking throne Mm -hmm. for the pope you know yep science takes us to mars yeah yeah and, and we do this on what, like, 0.2% of our national budget? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if NASA had actual real no-shit good funding to yeah. conduct a I lot of these experiments you know, and on shit? A, on a sad note, Ken Ham was saying that this money would have been better served if we were t- to use it for creationism. Fuck Ken Ham. What a- yeah, fuck him in the ass. <laughs> Dumb bastard. <Fucking> <laughs> Uh, I say we just let him take his creation museum and see if it floats. Like that's all I have to say about Ken Ham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a dickhead! Oh well, thank you guys very much. This was this was fun. Uh, we we've run a bit long, but that that's just the way things go. Sometimes we had we had fun with some stories. Um, but that'll wrap things up for us this evening. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because they're awesome peoples. Yeah. That would be, let's see, uh, let's have Ryan start and then Taylor. I'll go third. I'll go third tonight. Ooh, so that'd be Alan Firth. Uh, Christy Kalbach. Steven Andrus. Two skeptical chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Ollie Olson. John McCullough. Tiffany Hudson. Sinead Duffy. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Jeremy Goodson. Let them eat coffee. Jeff Peterson. Corey Ebert, Megan Mitchell, Freethinker215, Tim Jacobson, Janet Uter, Savita Kuna, Avocado the Cat, Purple Dragon, Nico Gonzalez, Chad Pryor, Patreon customer service sucks donkey balls. I'm just waiting to say that one. (laughs) Thank you all very much. We really, really appreciate your patronage. Uh, If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so for as little as $1 per episode by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution. And then you'll get all kinds of fun and fancy things from us, like early episodes, extended outtakes, bonus episodes. Um, And then we we really like you a lot when you do that. I need to come up with some with some better shit to put in there to incentivize people to become patrons. We will like you for a long time. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Thank you guys. Uh, we still haven't come up with a good way to end the show. No. Keep it classy, San Diego. Uh, <laughs> see you, space cowboy. <laughs> Later, fuckers. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> uh, I don't even, that's, and if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> I'm going to go turn on my light. I'm a floating head right now. <laughs>